In this episode of Full Nerd, Ryzen 5000 Mobile and Robert Halleck. Welcome to a virtual special uh, <laughs> CES edition of the Full Nerd. I have already bungled that, but it's okay. It's CES. You can forgive everything. With us today is Director of Technical Marketing at AMD, Robert Halleck. You know him. He comes out. He gives you the good stuff on the good stuff from AMD. And, of course, the big news is Ryzen 5000 Mobile, the long-awaited Zen 3 core in laptops really soon now. Thanks for coming, Robert. Thanks for having me, Gordon. Great to be here as always. So, Robert, I'm especially looking forward to hearing details from you. I saw a lot of the news this morning. I I have a lot of questions. Um, so Ryzen 5000, what's, what's, what do nerds need to immediately know about this part? Uh, okay, so there's 13 different models. That's, I think, number one. We announced all of those today. They're on the website. Um, let's see. Uh, I think the big one for this audience is that they've been challenging AMD for a long time to to be in even higher-end notebooks, those notebooks with the highest-end, most powerful graphics cards, and that is going to happen in 2021. In fact, most of those laptops will be based on AMD, thanks to the 5000 series. So we've got a lot of core performance to toss around with Zen 3, and then battery life took a big step forward this year, too, plus two hours. So performance, battery life, good stuff all around. So two hours, like if you took uh, a Ryzen 4000 Renoir part and you put it up against the equivalent uh, 5000 part, you're, you're talking about same battery, same panel. Yes. Same, and two hours. Where in the yeah. world? And that seems – because Ryzen 4000 was really no slouch in battery life, I honestly, in my opinion. I don't think it was that bad. I think it was pretty good. Where do you pick up all of this considering that they're both 7 nanometer processors? Yeah, there's there's a lot going on in there. Uh, one of the things that I, I can talk about today is the adoption of a technology called CPPC. Uh, we were chatting a little about that before pre-show, but that's a feature we've had in our desktop CPUs for a while. And what it allows the CPU to do is directly control its own uh, power consumption, its own boost. Uh, typically, if a processor, let's say historically, if a processor were in a lower performance mode because the demand isn't very light, uh, the, or it isn't very heavy, the operating system would be in charge of CPU boost. So if you cut that out of the equation and let the CPU control everything from low to high, then it can make much more accurate decisions about frequency and voltage selection. Uh, and this is something that's been in our desktop CPUs for two years. It's now on mobile. Uh, all the 5000 series parts have it, and that's a big contributor to battery life. Uh, but there's some other ingredients, too. Optimizing the platform around the SoC is always an ongoing effort. Those devices are getting lower power all the time. Panels, sound controllers, voltage regulators on the motherboard, that's a continuous effort from us. So, look, there's a lot more. Uh, that'll come out later in the month, but those are the, the big two. So, same system if you swapped a 4000 series for a 5000 series plus two hours of battery. That That is pretty good. I mean, that's, yeah. again, we'll have to wait to see, but that, that is a bold statement. And you actually said, you know, swapping it out, this, uh, this part is actually built very similar to the previous one, right? It is. Um, there's huge demand for, for the Zen 3 core. It's very fast, very efficient. We've seen what it can do on the desktop. Uh, we've seen what people have said about it on the desktop for its performance. So when we were designing our mobile roadmap, one of the things that was essential for us was to get that Zen 3 core into the mobile space as quickly as we could. So one of the forward-looking decisions we made in the 4000 series previously is to design the the SOC architecture, everything around the core, such that we could just drop Zen 3 in when it was ready. And so that allowed us to rapidly switch from 4,000 to 5,000, get that Zen 3 core into a CPU, and also allows our OEM customers to reuse many of the components in their supply chains, including their motherboards, 
if they want to make a new design because it's pin compatible and socket compatible. So it's just that's just that's how you were able to turn around because there was a pretty that's long right. wait from desktop on to mobile transitions, but this one is feels like it's the shortest uh, I've seen from AMD. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, November for for five thousand series desktop, and here we are in January announcing the same core architecture now for mobile. So that's very fast turn time uh, required a lot of forward thinking on our part and a lot of IP reuse to, to go so fast. Is there, and I, and it's one thing I didn't see today and I don't know if you can disclose it or not yet, but I imagine because it's pin compatible, it is somewhat limited in PCIe lanes. Is that uh, going to be an issue? I mean, should people be concerned about that? It's the same number of lanes that we had on, on 4,000 series last year, uh, which I believe is eight, eight for graphics. And, and what we've seen from independent testing and our own testing is that's more than enough for the performance, even the fastest GPUs are pushing in mobile. There, it's, there's enough bandwidth to spare. So what that allows us to do is make a, a smaller and, and more efficient die for, for longer battery, easier integration, stuff like that. Hmm, okay, and but all the other stuff, the USB, all pretty much the same. That's right. That's right. And I guess you know it's a it's always a bummer because I you know there's no Thunderbolt obviously uh, that takes more work. It's an outside of your control thing. But USB four is it just something not it's just not possible to do in the time frame that we're talking about. Well, the, the SOC itself has uh, USB 3.2 uh, Gen 2, uh, so that's, what, 10, 10 gigs per second. But but right now, AMD's position is that's more than enough. There's a very limited number of, of devices even using that USB interface right at the moment. Of course, we're constantly evaluating future standards in our roadmap, and you see that we're fast to adopt them. So, Okay. Um one of the big features with Zen 3, of course, was, you know, very much a very clean design of the CPU. You got that great IPC increase. But yeah. on desktop, uh, cache size made a huge difference as well. Sure. So the what went into the cache size decision on the 5,000 mobile part versus uh, – because, I mean, the caches are large, but it's not quite yeah. as large as what you got out of a desktop part. That's right. and. Every die size, every square millimeter of die size counts for a ton in mobile. Uh, it it uses power, it takes up area, it adds complexity, and those are all at a premium in a notebook. So we have uh, doubled the cache going from 4,000 series to 5,000 series. That's a an L3 cache statement. So I think it's uh, 16 megs of, of L3 now versus 8 megs last year. Uh, and then, of, of course, desktop with a, a larger overall die size, bigger package, uh, multiple multiple dies on the package. You can afford a, a little bit more cash, and that's why desktop has 32. Um, one thing, of course, I think is always important to everybody is performance. Sure. Can we – I mean, I, I, obviously, so I'm, I'm just going to break out some of these specs that are interesting to people who don't know. There's We get all the way up to Ryzen 9. 5980HX at 4.8 boost. Yep. And then we go down to uh, uh, Ryzen 5, let's say, of the HS models, uh, six mm -hmm. core. What's, and then look at the performance here. So we're looking at a Ryzen uh, 4000 versus a Ryzen 5000 single threaded performance. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to put this out there Ryzen 4700U, 477. And the 5,000, 5,700U is 494, and the 4,800U is 474, and the 5,800U is 551. That's right. Is that uh, – it seems like pretty good single-threaded performance increase. That's all on the, yeah. on the IPC and the, and the die size? Yeah. Uh, going into this generation, when you put together the cache, the clock, uh, the IPC from the core itself, I think peak we're getting about – 23% more single thread performance delivered to the customer, uh, you know, kind of part to part. Uh, not now, not every member in our stack has exactly that, but you know, that's, I think that's a 4,800U versus 5,800U kind of statement. Anyway, we get a ton of extra single thread performance out of the CPU. Uh, and I would note that that 551 score 
on the 5800U is second only to ourselves. Uh, you know, if you if you look at desktop 1T last year, AMD well over 600, our competitor in the low 500s, that's a desktop at 105 watts. Right now we're talking about a 15-watt mobile CPU coming in at 550. It's huge performance. And, you know, the the uh, slide that covers this, is this this is Cinebench? R20 1T. Okay, yep. got it. Doesn't, yep. It doesn't, doesn't say here, but <clears throat> pretty good. And then, of course, um, I'm impressed. Like the single-threaded performance really adds up sort of the lightly-threaded stuff. You get a nice boost, which I think was sort of the weakness of the Ryzen 4000 parts in, you know, um, a lot of the, you know, pedestrian stuff that most people use, right? Sure. Well, I, I look at our view is that it's been a pretty challenging year for everyone. Uh, and, and I think the practical effect on the PC market is that many people may not have had a high-performance desktop at home or they lost access to the one they had at work. So their laptop may be their only computing device. And, and one of the things that the 5000 series uniquely brings is that we're still the only company offering eight high-performance cores in a thin and light notebook. So as users rely on their PC more, it's not just the, the everyday work stuff that single thread helps with, but it's also that multi-thread performance that an eight-core device can help with. And the 5000 series can do both. And that's what makes it special on desktop, and now that's what makes it special on notebook. And, you know, actually, th this is one thing I probably should have brought up earlier, but going through the model numbers, what is the difference between an H, and of course we know HS, that's existed for, yes. we probably should spell it out. What's the difference between an H part, an HS, and this new HX? Oh, I'm so glad you noticed the HX, Gordon. Uh, that is new for us this year. So we have a couple models, the Ryzen 9 5900HX. Uh, some vendors will also be carrying the 5980HX. Uh, HX as a suffix is the first time AMD has offered unlocked for overclocking mobile CPUs. Uh, certainly, we want it to be in those designs for laptops. Uh, obviously, the customer demand is there. Not, not a week goes by when someone doesn't ask us. But uh, the time was now. And so there will be laptop designs in 2021 with AMD inside that will be fabric, memory, perhaps even core frequency unlocked. It's up to the, the laptop manufacturer. But the point is, we offer a CPU that can go in those systems now. And uh, that's an exciting place to be. And that's what you'll see in some of these highest end gaming notebooks that AMD's in. Yeah, it's kind of wondering because it, it shows as uh, for the TDP as 45 watts plus. So yes. that means if you're yeah. a laptop maker, you could say, you know what, we're we're going to just run this thing up at 60 watts if they want, you know, for a reasonable amount or of more. time. Or, or more. more. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, what we're seeing in a lot of these very high-end gaming notebooks uh, is that they have plenty of thermal capacity to uh, push – 60 watts, 80 watts, uh, and because they're, they're desktop replacement class or, uh, you know, they're certainly lighter than carrying around uh, a desktop to a LAN party or even a small ITX chassis. It's still a very nice laptop experience. So if you can push the power up, some of them will. So 45 watts plus is our acknowledgement that, you know, 45 may be what we officially can do, but if the laptop vendor wants to goose it up a little or a lot, the uh, the sustained boost frequencies, sustained performance over time will will just get better and better. Hmm. So it's just simply this is not this is not by default. It's well, I guess it's up to the vendor, but by it default, is. it's oh, it is okay. Yeah, it's up to the feel. vendor. Okay. So the, the the background there is we. You know, when, when we say a CPU is X watts, that's just kind of the default out-of-box configuration of the chip. But we provide three or four different interfaces into the firmware, into the BIOS, that allows the motherboard vendor or the laptop vendor, excuse me, to really control the, the thermal and the performance characteristics of that chip. 
when does it boost? How long does it boost? What is the, the peak thermals that the CPU would allow? How long? How low can it go? These are all customizable. So we're, you know, our spec sheets talk about averages, but there's a, a wide range of possibilities there. Uh, on desktop, of course, you know, Zen has really taken great advantage of, you know, very high clocks, low latency. For sure. Is, does that world still the same for these new 5,000 parts, especially with laptop memory typically not hitting the same clocks as a desktop module? Well, I think the biggest endorsement that I can that I can give is actually from our partners. So you're talking about latency, you're talking about gaming, and two points I would like to make. Uh, as flagship graphics cards come out through, throughout the year, doesn't matter what vendor, odds are good that AMD is going to be the CPU inside. So clearly those OEMs are saying something about the performance of our gaming parts. And you'll also notice that at CES, uh, kind of the, the new, fast, best gaming notebooks also have AMD inside. So, you know, as we look into 2021, that sort of situation where AMD is leading the way in gaming notebook performance, I think that will continue to hold and we'll have the lion's share of those designs. So we've built a core that's extremely fast, uh, runs away from the competition in gaming performance, and that's why we're the, the chosen CPU this year. You know, and I, you know, we've written about a lot of laptops so far. Um, I've definitely seen, you know, which is a good turn for AMD. We're seeing sure. high-end laptops with, you know, top-end uh, GPUs in them, which you just could not yeah. get. What, what changed all that? I know that in the past, everybody had demanded, I want to see, you know, Ryzen with a top-end sure. gaming GPU. And I know it was always like, you just got to wait. You just got to wait. If, so it really was just simply we had to wait. Well, it's, it's a couple factors. Uh, one, you know, it's it's time and presence in the marketplace. This is our our fourth generation mobile CPU in the Zen era, and and that imparts some confidence into the market. Uh, also, the performance is undeniable. You know, if you want to build a gaming chassis in 2021, it's going to be very difficult to explain. The performance if it's not a Ryzen inside based on the core performance that we're seeing from these highest end H-class CPUs. So uh, one part performance, one part building trust, uh, another part demand. Uh, in, in the 4000 series, for example, we, we doubled our volume just based on the demand for those, those parts, right? So people can read the room and see the appetite, and I think that's what you're seeing. So you know, speaking of gaming laptops, you're going to be the chip to have, but there are clearly some vendors that are also going with sure. the competitor's CPUs. I'm I'm just using your playbook here, not mentioning the competitor's name. But okay, what I know you can't get into the hard tax of what the performance is exactly, but it feels like that's a good that's a matchup you kind of like, right? Because uh, they're on eight cores, they're on a 14 nanometer process. Yeah, but you're on you're on eight cores as well, but you're on seven. What's the? Can you give us any hint to what the thermal advantage is going to be on this part versus the competition? Uh, what, what I can talk about just in the, so let me take a step back. You know, I think what people really want to hear is we've tested two identical gaming laptops with the same GPU. One has our competitor, one has us. That's just not possible. That's not how gaming laptops are built. Uh, so what we have left is kind of an apples-to-apples apples CPU comparison. And when we test that, single-thread, multi-thread, game physics, overall in-float performance, we're anywhere between 15 and 40-ish percent faster, uh, you know, best-to-best, best, and uh, kind of waterfalls from there, right? So 14, 15% to 40% is a massive, massive difference. And at the end of the day, a laptop vendor just wants to uh, have all the CPU performance that they can for their graphics card, especially those flagship graphics cards. And they want the CPU to get out of the way. And that's what we offer. Hmm. Yeah, it's too hard to get into because I would just love to know because I have this sort of what I'm wondering is any thermals you save, 
Oh yeah, yeah. Go I to mean, your GPU, right? So that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's why uh, seven nanometer is so important for us, and having that process advantage is so important for us. Same on the desktop. Uh, just five thousand series when we introduced it in November, we were two and a half times more power efficient at that point. So you can imagine when you take that efficiency and move it down into a notebook, which naturally puts the CPU in a more efficient spot on its power performance curve. And then all those thermals that you're saving on top, yeah, that's absolutely more thermals for the graphics card to do its thing. I'm also kind of wondering too, because I, you, you know, we should mention, let me pull up this number here. So I'll read it off. There was a uh, 5,800, basically looking at the performance of a, of a high end, uh, a core okay. part in, in, in Cinebench R20. Yeah. They're at 3892. You're at 4349, which is mm-hmm. very decent. I'm wondering yeah. though, if that's almost sort of, is that test too light? Because, um, Cinebench R20 runs in maybe three minutes. You know, of course we have R21 now, which is more of a stress test and runs for 10 minutes. Yeah. We, can you say if you open up more of a gap there because you run the competition at 10 minutes, all cores, they actually end up performing worse than your seven nanometer part? Well, sure. There's the thermal designs in notebooks are all about managing saturation. How long can you uh, evict the heat that the GPU or CPU is creating or, or both, depending on the workload? And by having more thermal headroom, the peak starts off higher, and then the long tail over time ends up higher as well. Uh, so when we think about gaming performance in particular, which is where I think people really start to get uh, thoughtful about the performance, 7 nanometer becomes an even larger advantage because nobody's going to play a game for like 10 minutes. They're going to binge it, right? We all do. I do. So that's a huge advantage for us. And I think another element of, of why – uh, we've been so strongly chosen in 21. Hmm. Yeah, and of course, so Robert won't tell us exactly the difference, but I, I am impressed. Though, all, in time. So, all in time. All in time. For that same CPU comparison, I will say it, Core i9-10980HK versus a Ryzen 9 5980HS. And actually, let's note that that's an HS version, so that's the an efficient HS. part. 601 versus 514 for the competitor's A-core part, right? Is that that's right. right. Well, you know, that, that 600 score is a, a mighty big uh, psychological number. And, you know, I, I want to be transparent that that single thread performance kind of varies from run to run in Cinebench. So it's like 597 to 603, depending on the phase of the moon and whatnot. But, you know, 601 is a, a very, very respectable number. And, yeah, it is our 35 watt maximum, by the way. If you have an HS CPU, we don't let you goose it up past 35 so yeah, that's our 35 watt part turning in a 600 score. So is this a bit of um, a bit of tactical information here? Why not show the HX part, which is 45 watts plus? Uh, look, we want to show what we can do, even even in an efficient area of the curve, right? You can you can get high scores by turning up power, uh, but that I don't think that truly captures how good Zen three is. The fact that we can turn in a score like that at 35 watts in a very thin and light gaming notebook, that's actually from the the ROG Flow X13 notebook uh, that Asus produced. It's, you know, announced at CES. 2.5 pound laptop for people who it don't know. It is tiny, so. right? So it's like this tiny little notebook turning in a 600 score. That's what Zen 3 can do. It's really cool. Yeah, it's very, I mean, that, I think to me, that's what really really impressed me with Ryzen 4000 because that was mm-hmm. really the first seven nanometer x86 part we had. And That's right. the, the, the ability to get that into such small laptops and apparently just not give up as much, much performance, yeah. especially on multi-core. That was, that was really impressive. Are we going to see the same? Now, the other thing though, is like so that first, those Ryzen 4000s at the beginning of last year, they just blew everybody away because we had just sure. never seen anything that could perform like that, especially in something that small. 
are I mean you're really just going seven nanometer to seven nanometer this time. Sure. So are we gonna it's not quite the blow your socks off, or we should we still like brace ourselves to like, oh my god, that's crazy? Uh, you know, I, I think you can only pull off a parlor trick like that once, and then it gets a lot harder to do. But uh, what we saw with HS last year is many articles and many pieces of user feedback telling us that we kind of reinvented things, right? With HS, you suddenly had this laptop that had uh, gaming performance of a very large notebook historically, but then the battery life and the portability of what people would typically call an ultra thin, but last year we only had one of those CPUs. Feedback was insane, really good. So that's why we have two or three this year and we're doubling down on that strategy. There's a clear appetite for it. Um, and so we took what we did last year and made it even better. Higher single thread, higher multi-thread, longer battery life, more efficiency, more features. Uh, people are telling us that's what they want. It really did. I mean, it really did pioneer it, right? Because that yeah. three and a half pound gaming capable laptop, real gaming laptop, is just if it wasn't possible last year, and now we're going to see that, especially with more Ryzen's coming out too. So, well, and and that's that's I think one of our key advantages. We we can still claim that as uh, something unique to us, right? That that HS idea, those very thin light gaming notebooks that have very high end GPUs. That's that's us. That's that's what we can do this year for people, right? You can have a gaming notebook and just throw it in your bag and it's not, not heavy. Yeah. And you know, one thing I do want to point out too, because I know there's always going to be the hand ringing over the by eight, but sure. Um, that flow X 13, we talked about it in a previous podcast, but uh, Asus is saying with their external, cause it has an external RTX 3080 in it. That's they're right. saying that is going to be one of the fastest gaming laptops available with the external GPU hooked up to it. And that is over a a custom by eight connection. So I think we'll have to see when we get them, but I I think some people may like, well, we, you need full by 16 PCIe 4.0. I mean, I, I do wonder if that's going to be like, you know, the competition is going to just try to pound. Sure. Of course they will. And by, I, I, I think, uh, I, I like to be a fact-based person. Yeah, I'm in marketing. Yeah, I deal with numbers all the, all the time. But I think one of the things that we're really proud of as a Ryzen brand is we try to level with people and shoot straight. And the data bears it out that eight lanes is just as good as 16 in performance for everything except like incredibly intense GPU compute. And so when you take these large high-performance discrete graphics cards and stick it in this ex- external dock, you know, that's, that's a level of performance that's not going to be available in, in, you know, an integrated GPU in the notebook or even a discrete in the notebook, right? And we're absolutely capable of running that card at, at full speed. And that's just, that is a fact of by eight versus by 16. So they can punch if they want, but I think the truth is on our side. Hmm. Okay. Now, and of course, it's pretty easy for Ryzen 5000, even 4000, to just drop all over uh, the competitors' uh, 14 nanometer parts. Sure. Oh, I think we lost Gordon. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Not sure what uh, what happened with uh, with Gordon, uh, but I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of a Q and A catch up from the, the sure. chat. Sure. Let's I, do it. I, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, hopefully, oh, we'll get Gordon back in soon. Uh, always technical problems. That's the problem with doing it live. So yeah, that's th- the problem. <laughs> thanks for holding on with us. Um, sure. First one, easy one from Sadie in the chat. Uh, where are the new Threadrippers at, Robert? I know I'm just kidding. You can't talk about that, but <laughs> I can't speculate on AMD's roadmap. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so here, here's a couple easy ones. Pelk four one one's asking, uh, when are these new Ryzen CPU laptops coming out? Oh, great question. Uh, early February for uh, the first model. So very, very soon. And uh, throughout the year, what you'll see is about 50% more design wins than we had last year. And that's across U series and H series, but big, big appetite. We've been growing 50% yearly. Okay. Uh, and then uh, the next one, um, Rob Silva is asking, uh, when can, uh, where, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Robert, where did you get that awesome Ryzen jacket? 
Uh, this was custom, actually. Uh, oh, fancy. When, you, when we launched uh, the first-gen Ryzen desktop, it was a, you know, a huge effort for the team, many of them five or six years in the making. Uh, I myself worked on it for uh, nearly two years before bringing it to market. So, you know, as a little thank you, this very warm and cozy Ryzen jacket, amongst other goodies, like, you know, free CPUs and whatnot, working <laughs> the job. But I, I love this thing. It's so comfortable. There you go. Uh, well, oh, he's back. He's back. Gordon, Gordon's back. I was going to say, we got hijacked. <laughs> <laughs> Robert's no, we... hijacked our stream. Yes. All, AMD, all the time. He took our jobs. So I'm sorry. If you were answering a question, I'll let you go on. But I, I did have a question as well. Uh, yeah, sure. let, me get, let me get to a couple more of the, the chat questions. Um, Vignesh was asking, uh, what, uh, what are the graphics cores in these new 5000 uh, series? Is it Vega or RDNA? It is Vega. Uh, and I want to be clear, uh, the opportunity for us in this generation was to make the CPU cores faster, faster, faster. That was, that's been on our roadmap, that was planned. And making the cores faster does a couple things. It raises GPU performance. Uh, we were able to turn up the GPU clock speed. We were able to make the GPU power consumption more efficient so it can run faster more often. Uh, I think we raised GPU clocks something like 350 megahertz on some of these parts. That's a huge jump uh, going from last gen to this gen. So same same Vega 7, but a lot more performance delivered to the customer due to the changes we've made in, in firmware and SOC design. Okay, okay. Uh, another one from uh, Wasan earlier asked, uh, curious on what the thinking was behind uh, putting uh, some of the, the chips, the 5000 series chips, Zen 2, and some of them as Zen 3. Oh, great question. Uh, as AMD looks to, let me just take a step back. The, one of the biggest things that we can do as a provider of silicon is make our customers happy. And by customers in this case, I mean OEM partners who are building laptops at all sorts of different price points and different performance needs and different power needs. We had an opportunity to bring in a couple Zen 2-based models because they hit that perfect triangle of cost, performance, efficiency that OEMs are looking for. So, uh, you know, mix of Zen 2 and Zen 3 in this generation. Now, I think the other anxiety that people are, are perhaps indirectly expressing is how do I tell the two apart? Uh, the Zen 3 notebooks will have a special holographic badge on them for the Zen 3 models. So if you walk into a store, look online, look on a website, you know, there's a special little badge logo that will be able to tell you that you're looking at a Zen 3 based model, right? We don't want to, you know, air quotes, pull a fast one on you. We, we want to make sure that you can pick the model that you're looking for with the CPU cores that you want. Okay. And also the other thing is because going from the Ryzen 4700U to the Ryzen 5700U, there is a difference too because you uh, turn on uh, SMT yes. on the 5700U, yes. whereas the 4700U did not have it on. Yeah, there's a large number of changes. So, yeah, those two models are the perfect example. 4700U last year didn't have SMT enabled, uh, had two hours less battery life, had lower uh, single-thread performance, lower multi-thread performance. So you flip that on its head with 5000 series. We've turned on a bunch of features like SMT, so instantly your overall compute performance goes up. Clock speeds have gone up a bunch, so your 1T is faster. Uh, battery life is up two hours or more, depending on the use case that you're doing. Uh, these are not, you know, your same old 4000 series parts that simply have a, a new name on the top. They've been uh, fine tooth combed for more performance and longer battery. But the but the overall bulk of this, I think, ten of the ten of the new CPUs are all Zen yeah. three. So yeah, all the gaming CPUs are Zen three. Half of the the U series are Zen three. So ten of thirteen total parts are, are based on Zen 3. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to get back to the question I was asking before I cut myself off somehow. Let's do it. So I think it's going to be, I mean, clearly 14 nanometer parts, it's it's generally been, they've been beat up, especially even by the U parts in, in multi-threaded performance. Uh, 14 nanometer is, is tough, very tough for there. But, you know, uh, 
the the competitors have their own 10 nanometer sure. uh, parts as well. Uh, they have a quad core, very high clock uh, U35 part, I think, or H35, the Tiger Lake. I forget the model numbers, but it's it's uh, H35 is what they're they're calling it, and it's a higher TDP part version. How do you think you shape up against that? Especially that's going to go and sort of this, and it's really interesting because it feels like they say, "Hey, you know what? That's three and a half pound gaming laptop mm-hmm. era." They've got a few designs that are kind of like based on that too. It's very similar to what we saw with the G14 last year. How do you think you're going to stack up against uh, uh, that part? Well, there's a couple ways I'd spin uh, spin that, take that. Um, the the first thing that I would say is, from an overall compute perspective, we know that even our entry level, you know, Ryzen three part based on Zen three has <laughs> more overall compute than our competitors' flagship U series models. So just U to U, right? Our entry level has more than their top end. I think that's a big difference in Zen 3's favor. Now, on the H35, uh, of course, we have the HS models, which we win by a little in, in single thread. We still keep the crown. I'm not going to say it's by a ton, but we do. And then in multi-thread, we, we run away uh, in, in performance, right? So uh, H35 is well and good, but I think AMD does it better, and the performance speaks for itself. It'll be very interesting because it, it just feels sure. like we are we're going to relitigate the the desktop wars again. Yeah, sure. It's fun, isn't it? High, high clock, high clock, high frequency performance, yeah. <laughs> a lot fewer cores versus way more cores, slightly less clocks. And yeah. I and it'll be interesting though because they're sort of closer in in process. So I I really don't know what this year is going to shape up like for the first. Three months anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, regardless of what happens at the end of the day, consumers, all of us on the call and everybody watching, we win, right? That's, yes. that's the, the beauty of technology. And I feel like last year, this year, we could all use a little win. So, no, yeah. And it's definitely, it's, it's been awesome for everybody. I mean, yeah. let's, let's be honest. You parts were dual cores. Year after year after year after Long year, time. and you know, suddenly some we got a still quad. Are. Yeah, some of them still are, but <laughs> it just takes a little competition to make everybody fight a little harder. So, and yeah, in the end, we're all getting, you know, eight core U class laptops, which is insane. You wouldn't even think it was possible five years ago. So, it's, not not even close. You know, I I think the other point I I wanted to make on on the beauty of 5000 series is it's all one family. There's one brand, one set of model numbers. You don't have to choose, oh, do I want more single thread performance? Do I want more multi-thread? Is battery life better on this one or this one? Like that's not even a choice in this family because we we built a consistent, internally coherent portfolio that doesn't make people choose. If you want single thread and multi-thread, it's in the same part. Right. It's not, oh, this one's four cores or this one's eight. That that is the beauty, I think, of the five thousand series. At the end of the day, for the person who's just walking in the door or going to a dot com to buy a laptop, it's not confusing. It's it's simple. Um speaking, this is the last thing I'm gonna mention that one competitor, but I okay. do want to go. Are you worried about Tiger Lake H? Because you're talking eight cores. 10 nanometer, super fin plus, whatever it's going to be called. But it feels like, whereas on desktop, you know, Ryzen just simply crushed the competitor's parts basically because they just were so limited by core count. We sort of have that natural thermal and power limit of laptops. You can't, well, I mean, maybe not yet, but maybe are we going to get to, I mean, you can't run away with a core count. Are we going to just sort of both top out where they're both just going to be really good parts? Maybe one better in some things, one better in the other things? It's too soon to tell. What I look at, you know, kind of like climate forecasting, I look at indicators. Core count to core count in the last two years, AMD's come out ahead. Process to process, I think AMD, you know, tie ahead. Um, who... Who can say where the future is going to go? But I have those indicators in my back pocket to to 
to think about as the future unfolds. And what AMD always does is we'll take it in stride and we'll be relentless. I, we've been on a massive trajectory since 2017. I, Gordon, you've commented on that a couple times over the years. And there's <laughs> this, it's all gas, no brakes. So uh, <laughs> I think we're going to be just fine. Yeah, I guess people would not expect AMD to suddenly, hey, let's pull over, hit the rest stop here, stretch out. Yeah. No, it's just, you're in a race across the country. You're not, you just, you just switch the drivers in the front seat while you're driving. So, right. I, I, I think ultimately we all have to take the industry in stride. It's, it's easy to get excited about the next great thing, but when you zoom out and look at the macro point and how the two companies are executing, AMD has just been absolutely on fire for four continuous years, and there's there's no abating. So that's yeah, what I, I look at. It's impressive because there is this one market share chart. I don't know if it made it in the presentation or not, but it starts in 2016. It shows desktop and mobile. You were like ten percent or something, single digits, and it just—it's like a jet taking off from the runway, right? It just kind of right. has that steady curve up. I just—and I was like, "Whoa, hmm, what was 2016?" I had to go, of course, go to the internet. So, when did Ryzen come out? And he was like, "Yeah, 2016, right? 2016, yeah. 2017 is when all your fortunes really changed." So that's right. Well, I, you know, I think what we have demonstrated in our product portfolio is that we really deeply understand what people want to buy from a performance perspective, a price perspective, a features perspective. We've been first in a great many things. Unlocked, top to bottom, um, 7 nanometer first, 8-core mobile first, PCI Gen 4 first. Uh, you know, we've made it very easy for people to adopt our CPUs because we offer these quality of life features on all of our parts that our competitor often doesn't. And, and so I think people have this feeling that maybe we're more genuinely in touch with what people want to buy in a processor. I feel that way as an enthusiast. That's why I've been here for 10 years uh, at AMD. So I, I think that spirit will carry forward, and I hope people appreciate it. I, I know you're not the GPU guy. But... I'm not. I would like to ask because uh, some of the new laptops today, which, you know, again, all credit to AMD after a year of whining about no high-end GPUs hmm. with uh, Ryzen. We're now seeing 3080 with Ryzen 9s, gaming yep. laptops. Some of them have dynamic boosts. And hmm. I think one model, I think uh, it has dynamic boosts with the normal uh, HS, but with the higher end version, it doesn't. And I just kind of wondered, like, and this probably makes Intel uncomfortable as well. Uh, and it probably makes you guys a little bit uncomfortable. But Dyna Dynamic Boost sort of gives your NVIDIA, I'm going to mention the end name here, control of sort of the CPU's clocks. As far as the Intel implementation that I played with it, it can really sort of like clamp down that, that CPU clock speed and thermal. Are you a little reluctant to like hand the keys over to you know uh, essentially a bitter uh, rival on the on the the graphic side? I think there's probably two ways I would react to that. Um, one, the the internal architecture of that feature isn't isn't well known, isn't widely discussed, uh, so it's hard to say how many of the keys are being held over of those on the keychain. Uh, the other thing that I would say is. From a CPU's perspective, at the end of the day, we are an enabler. If a laptop vendor wants to go build an AMD and NVIDIA flagship notebook, it is our responsibility to make sure we perform well, we give the GPU everything that it requires, and that the system has a good experience from our CPU. That is the number one mission of a CPU provider from a, an ingredient, any ingredient company. Uh, so I, I think people like to play uh, up the politics more than there actually is. And I'm, I'm not saying that you're doing that, Gordon. People ask that question all the time, and I think they're hinting at that. But for us, that's just uh, basic stuff for us. We just want to run well. Right. You have to service your 
customer, the ones that are buying yeah. it from you. And, yeah. and l let's be honest, you can't, you know, your custom side can't, you can't help Sony or, or Microsoft. They can't, they can't say, Hey, do you think this is enough? Should we buy more? What are those guys doing? You can't tell them. It's like, oh, I right. can't tell you. But right. I, I'm just interested because I, I have tried to get, I've played with dynamic boost. It works generally pretty well. There's a couple mm -hmm. places where it gets a little wacky, but I still don't know exactly how they're doing it. And they're still not telling us how they're doing it. But, um, because I know that AMD has its own hardware based. We do. You know, boosting and i'm just kind of wondering and obviously it's way too early to talk about what how that's going to roll out with ryzen 5000 but you know i'm just trying to trick you into talking about it robert so well i'm not a gcu guy so when you get one on the show i'm sure they'll have more to say but at, at the end of the day be it uh, amd smart shift or you know some other technology our, our goal is to do it and do it well and what smart shift still keeps in its favor is that it's the only solution using direct telemetry between the CPU and the GPU, right? That's, that is something we can uniquely provide because we know what's at both ends of the spectrum. So it's going to be more graceful. It's going to be more precise. And, uh, cause we know everything that's going on under, under the hood, on GPU and CPU. Yeah, no, it does help. Cause I, in, when I was speaking of those weird situations, you would get sometimes a CPU task that would kick off the GPU and it would get clamped down. I'm sure it just comes down to how they profile it, but potentially I Again, imagine the, the, with the hardware architecture. Yeah. Don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I'd be, it'd be a great talk for NVIDIA because I don't know mm. how, again, they're sort of like, you're right. At the end of the day, you're, you're all working together, but. Uh, for them to then have to rely on, since they don't have an x86 uh, CPU to to sell people, it's it's it can be a little weird sometimes. Well, the the other thing I want to say is, many people. Uh, we talked about this earlier. The, this idea that 35 watts or 45 watts is the average, right? Uh, the the CPU's actual power consumption, peak, low, sustained, all of that is totally customizable. And that's on purpose, right? We want the motherboard in that notebook uh, through the embedded controller. Every notebook has one. The, the embedded controller can talk to our CPU and customize its operating parameters and also read them back out in real time. So this is by design that the CPU is completely controllable by, by the OEM. It, for, for any number of reasons, skin temperature, like how hot is the notebook sitting on your lap or GPU load or any number of variables, we intend for that control to be there. Yeah, it feels like it, it makes it tough for reviewers too. And then also you do have to give it that 35 watt, 45 watt, but it isn't because it's not always eating 45 watts. It's, That's right. But you just have to at least give people an idea of what it's supposed to generally yeah. be in. Yeah, well, I mean, reviewing notebooks is hard, right? There's no apples to apples notebook out there. So you're all just going, well, this one's close enough. Here's this asterisk in my article. Like, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Uh, especially generationally, like trying to compare this year's flagship gaming notebooks with AMD inside to last year. The GPU is completely different. So. I don't, I don't know what you do. It's good luck. <laughs> yeah. It's, it really is something that people have to accept. It's a, you're buying in it. It's the reality is you buy a whole laptop. You don't buy pieces right. of it and screw yeah, it together. You buy and, last year's experience versus this year's experience at the end of the day. I, you know, and I think I'm just excited to see, you know, we're, we don't have performance insight yet from either you or NVIDIA or even Intel on their stuff. I'm kind of waiting to see, how it all stacks up. And I mean, I'm, I'm just so excited for this year's laptops. I mean, last year's were pretty good. Year. They were pretty good, but clearly this year's is just going to be, it feels like it'll be amazing. I, I, you know, I, I think so. Uh, I hands down, those HS models are my favorite thing in the universe. Uh, the notebook that I'm working on right now is uh, the ROG Zephyrus G14 from last year. Uh, and, and that is my everyday laptop. Would, have, would I ever have considered a gaming notebook for a work laptop before? No way. 
no way, not enough performance, too big, whatever. Um, but now I can. And now there's even more of that this year with more HS models, more HS laptops. So I get a lot more of what I want personally as a customer. And I hope people feel the same way. Yeah. You know, I considered like, well, if there were actually a CES in person, like, you know what? I mean, the G14, it just sort of hits, it hit everything, you know, yeah. high core count, you know, good battery life, and then a real GPU. It was really sort of like that magical. The only, of it course, was. was no no webcam, which <laughs> I, I you still know, this like. This is an external webcam right here. I mean, they're just so much better. I, I don't know. I don't have a personal fascination for webcams in a notebook. Yeah, LEDs no, on the I back just, as well. Well, yeah, that was awesome. With the so. one model, yeah. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I just can't wait to see how these things stack up against la last year's plus – you know, I'm just excited for this year. So, uh, what other burning questions do I have? Yeah, uh, let's see I, what else we got. I do have some from the chat. If oh. you want me to to grab some from there, yes, sure. please yeah. do, Adam. Okay. Um, so we have had a, a number of commenters asking about uh, supply. Uh, Wasson kind of summed up. Curious if AMD anticipates uh, supply constraints with uh, 5,000 mobile parts, uh, and if so, are there any problems to or any plans to solve uh, production issues? Uh, great question. Unfortunately, I don't even work in logistics or supply at AMD. That is a separate group. So I, honestly, I have to claim ignorance on that one. I will say uh, I can answer a little bit of it. We had a small press scrum with uh, Lisa Sue, uh, and I will repeat it again. She basically says she understands the frustrations out there. We shipped a lot of parts. They're still coming out, and we're shipping more, but we hear you. And also, you know, laptops are extremely important. Um, you know, Robert's been around AMD long enough. There are times when AMD ruled everything on desktop, but they've never ruled laptop and it feels like this is what is different th with the situation so it sounds like a lot of those dies went to laptops this year so i i await to see because <laughs> i truly don't know right <laughs> no. okay uh, i i have some more uh, specific questions uh Faustiv, Faustis zero uh says uh what can we expect uh on rda rdna2 mobile versus rtx mobile I wish I could answer. I, so I, I am the director of technical marketing, but only for processors at AMD. Uh, the GPU division is separate, and my team doesn't handle it. So uh, Faustus, I'm sure as the, the months go on, uh, there will be something similar from the graphics colleagues at AMD, and, and I hope you get to learn what you're looking for. Okay. Uh, and uh, another one, uh, graphics-related, just to, to get it out there, uh, SIC221 okay. is asking, do you plan to enable resizable bar on Ryzen 5000 mobile open uh, as well as open for NVIDIA GPUs? Yeah, on the CPU side, uh, any anything 5000 branded supports resizable bar. And it will work with NVIDIA GPUs? If they design a driver to do so, certainly. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then uh, Fosta Zero are also asked, uh, why do Ryzen 5000 mobile laptops only support PCIe 3 for SSDs? Oh, uh, well, it's it's kind of down to the access patterns on the notebook. Uh, that's the primary, well, two things. One, uh, power on the die, power consumption on the die. PCI Gen 3 is simply more power efficient, uh, even when that PCI link is at a low power, low utilization state. So uh, every watt, really matters on a notebook and two access patterns um, when you look at the type of disk usage people on a notebook often use and i'm not going to say they don't sustain transfer massive files but it is relatively uncommon uh, flash today on a notebook is mostly 4k random read a little bit of write a little bit of sustained transfer and gen 3 is plenty fast. So when we add up those variables, die area, power, what people predominantly do, PCI Gen 3 made the most sense. Okay. Uh, another one from uh, Zanetech. Uh, okay. Uh, how is AMD going to address the imminent effect on the laptop market caused by the Apple M1 and future custom ARM SOCs in the future? Well, I, I think 
think first and foremost, uh, you know, we'd like to congratulate Apple on on the M1. It's it's no no small feat to create a, a high performance CPU. Uh, that said, uh, the Windows ecosystem has been tremendous in in 2020 2021. Uh, PC shipments are hitting all time highs, according to analysts, and we're still the only company offering a full eight high performance cores in a notebook. So there's there's performance and experiences that, that we can provide that can't be matched by lower power quad core devices. Uh, so, you know, it, it's not that uh, it's it's uh, I think it's two two different points, two different places in the market that are that are hard to compare. Also, how are you playing Counter-Strike on that Mac? <laughs> Fair. That's always going to be the right? burn. There's, there's unique things that you can do with an x86 device. Uh, just that entire history of experiences, of software, that's all interoperable. Right? You're talking a 30-year, 40-year catalog of compatible software. It's hard to walk away from that. Um, and and we do that really really well with our Zen cores. So, okay, a uh, couple more questions. Uh, reviews uh, for noobs. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, will will, uh, will these Ryzen five thousand mobile uh, parts support encoding to AV one codecs? Uh, I don't believe so. I would have to go check my spec sheet. It's uh, but you can verify yourself probably faster with Google. Uh, Whatever encoder we had available last year on the Ryzen 4000 series, that is the same encoder this year as well. Yeah, and I don't think anybody, even the newest GPU or CPU available anywhere, has um, any real any hardware encoding of AV1 at this point. Yeah, to my knowledge, no. But uh, you know, I don't want to be certain and then get shown up by Google later. Yeah. <laughs> it's decode at this point, and it sounds like the encodes. It's yeah. still very much, um, you know, by committee right now. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, J340 uh, is asking, will a AMD ever build a big little design or is seven nanometer and five nanometer so good in terms of efficiency that there's no need for a hybrid Ryzen processor? Unfortunately, I can never speculate on AMD's roadmap or what might be planned. Sorry. Okay. In uh, the, this is an interesting one. Uh, Sadie's asking, uh, can we make the CPU in the laptop go past 45 watts uh, to disable the limit to get more uh, power out of it? Depends on the BIOS, to be honest. Um, once, you know, when it comes to laptops, we're, we are an ingredient to the, call it the appliance. We're an ingredient to the appliance. And if the appliance wants to let you do more, through those software interfaces, they will. But it is down to the individual laptop and the laptop vendor's choice. You're not buying the AMD CPU. You're buying the laptop. Uh, so it, it does depend on what they want to offer. But actually, higher point, sure, yeah, we have those interfaces available, right? It's a matter of, of exposing them uh, you know, warranty costs, warranty concerns for the laptop maker, that kind of stuff. But wouldn't you say, though, that, I mean, unlike desktop, most laptop makers are a lot more conservative since it's not easy to swap a motherboard in a, no, in a blown-up laptop? <laughs> I guess the other question is, the part is unlocked. The laptop vendor actually will have access to the knobs. Are end users going to be able to use, say, a, a mobile version of Zen Master to then crank up voltage and cause smoke to come out of it? I think what will happen for most of these gaming laptops is that they'll use our SDK that runs behind Ryzen Master that creates that software to design uh, their own software uh, that will uh, you know, set up the boundaries of what's permissible uh, you know, so that you don't magic smoke your laptop because uh, that's a that's an expensive appliance and you know you want to make sure that people can't uh can't barbecue their stuff <laughs> yeah and also i do what i do want to just remind people that are into overclocking which i fully endorse but you need to be a responsible end user and don't go back and say it just stopped working you know if you're overclocking and you're taking that risk you are taking that risk don't think, try to make 
the seller. Now, this is not Robert's opinion. This is my opinion. If you broke Robert's it, opinion. you you eat it. Don't try to like bring it back and say this company is so big they won't even notice. Just you know, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna you know do the time, don't do the crime, as they said in Brada. Yeah. <laughs> Another uh, dated reference. <laughs> um. Uh, Mome Smith asked, uh, how much input does the AMD uh, have in laptop design, specifically around the, the CPU and, the, and the, the power, getting the, the maximum efficiency out of it? Oh, I, I think a fair amount, actually. Uh, getting to two extra hours of battery life just by taking the same same chassis and swapping in a new CPU, that's one part of the equation. But, of course, we can get more. Uh, there's a lot on the motherboard and the panel side that we can recommend as as a knowledgeable builder of CPUs. There's a lot we can recommend to the, uh, the notebook manufacturer to improve overall battery life. Uh, it's not widely known, but uh, what audio codec you put on the motherboard to supply you know the audio ports on the side of your PC that can have a big effect on power, especially standby power. Um, if you include an NVMe drive versus a SATA drive versus something soldered on the motherboard, that has power implications. Uh, the voltage regulators on the motherboard to supply power from your wall, you know, your wall plug to the CPU socket, that, how efficient are they? That has a big impact on power. How efficient is the panel? Does it, you know, how low is the power consumption to drive the backlight? Does it support a technology called panel self-refresh? where if the user is not using, moving their mouse, the screen has a, a small cache behind it so it can just update itself without direct connection from the GPU, be it integrated or discrete. There's just so much inside the laptop that AMD can recommend to improve the overall efficiency of the device. And especially as that battery life pushes into the 20-hour range, there's a lot of collaboration between the vendor uh, and the CPU manufacturer to achieve those kinds of numbers. Can I? Can I? I'm Adam. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Yeah, go for it. Throw in a question here, because and I will say that was one of the most impressive things about Ryzen 4000. You know, coming out of last year, and then actually seeing battery life being very good. Because uh, yeah. I, I was a little worried it wasn't going to be good because it, it did take a while for the laptops to get in our hands. But um, you're. Quoting for the Ryzen 7 5800G, a 17.5 hours of general usage and mm -hmm. 21 hours of movie playback. Is that um, so? General usage is that so? Mobile Mark? Yeah, Mobile Mark, uh, Bluetooth off. Uh, you know, like uh, I think 200, 250 nit screen, wireless connected. Uh, sorry, wireless LAN connected. Um, you know, Mobile Mark is. You know, let me take a step back. Every, everyone's idea of productivity is different, but at right. least Mobile Mark 18 is standard and we can all run it, uh, and that's pleasant. So, um, you know, that's on a 53-watt-hour battery, um, which is not uncommon these days. So I, I think that's a very reasonable estimate of what people can see with, uh, you know, a U-series type notebook. No, that's that's very, very respectable. 53-watt-hours, 17 and a half and yeah. mobile mark of course i like my interpretation of that is mobile mark 17.5 is like absolute best case you're trying to save every little watt of power i think like for if you like to run the screen up at 100 percent or 80 percent and wi-fi sure. and running youtube and all kinds of stuff you know cut that in it, half it it's, will it's be less it will be less it'll be less right that's hard. I, it's just like mobile like cell phone hours it's just it doesn't it's no it's very hard to gauge you know yeah like how long do you have the screen on how bright how many times you turn it on and off to switch power states all that sort of stuff right but i, I think at the end of the day what we wanted to deliver was something that lasts m well more than a full work day without a charger and and of course people are going to get that Nice. Uh, I, I got no more burning questions from the uh, from the chat. We ran out. Oh. <laughs> I can't exciting. believe it. There's always more questions about you know things you you probably can't talk about, but. <laughs> well, so you know, on on the topic of things that we can't talk about, um, you know, I I know people have a ton more questions about the performance of X Y Z part in this game or that game or this application, or they want to know more about the the architecture and how we 
put it into mobile. That is all coming this month, actually. Right? We're just putting the finishing touches on it, and we'll be able to answer any question you guys have as the month winds on. Uh, but we want to make sure we have all our T's crossed and I've dotted, so stay tuned. I I do have one final question, and I know right. you probably can't answer, but I'm I'm wondering what the boost residency will be like for uh, Ryzen 5000 H HS versus a 4000 H part in HS. Any are you able to hold higher boosts or very similar since it's still you know seven nanometer? Hold higher boost. Uh, so one of the things that is not often discussed is uh, what AMD calls the effective free- frequency or the resident frequency. The truth is when you're running a workload over a long time, you're not at base, you're not at boost, you're somewhere in between, right? As the, the power envelope gets used up, the thermal saturation gets used up on the, the cooling. And so where are you in that range? And what we're implying when base clocks go up and boost clocks go up is we're implying that the the average or effective frequency has gone up too, right? Because the, the either the process technology or the design or the firmware is better characterized, better understood, and we can give you more. Uh, now, how much more? Well, it's really going to depend on the laptop. Is it paper thin? Is it big? You know, it doesn't have a ton of cooling. Who knows? Very variable. Uh, but we can give you more. We will give you more. And that's what we're signaling when clock speeds go up on a part. Okay. Good answer. Good answer. <sighs> Just can't wait to see. I mean, I can't wait to see these new laptops, you know, from everybody. I think it's going to be an awesome year for consumers. It's competition's awesome. And this year for gaming laptops is, and even thin and light will be unlike any we've ever seen it feels like so yeah it's going to be a very hot market uh, you know for me as a gamer the thing that i'm most excited about is those flagship notebooks the fact that we've taken the lion's share that i can walk into you know a store a virtual store and see a big shiny hs or hx brand there um that feels really good we've been working on that for a long time yeah and this is again this is never ever happened in AMD's entire history. It is, where not. it is not. You sat on the top of the pile, right? So right mm-hmm. now it's looking like you're sitting on the top and it's impressive. So people need yeah. to respect that. I hope so. But anyway, uh, thanks Robert for coming by. Um, it's, it's been great uh, getting more information on Ryzen 5000. And we, as you, as you heard here within a month, we should have a better idea of how it performs. I'm sure there's a lot of, um, it's not just about the CPU, it's about the GPU too. So it's going to be, you know, if you can sit and not buy a laptop, I think you might want to sit and not buy a laptop. But anyway, uh, so stay tuned. We have more virtual CES stuff coming from PC World. Uh, once again, Robert Halleck, Director of Tactical Marketing at AMD. Thank you for giving us your time. Thanks, Gordon. Thank you, all you viewers. Appreciate your time and hope to be back really soon. And Adam Patrick Murray is going to hit the off switch. Awesome. Yay. Thanks, everybody. Thank you again Thanks for uh, for hopping by, Robert. Uh, we will see everybody later. Goodbye. Right on.